You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. We're still outside the studio. There are technical issues. Uh, there are technical issues, my apologies. Hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be back in the studio and we'll be able to uh, present the program without uh, interruptions. Now, my name is Joseph Toscan. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, Anarchy Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, that's direct democracy society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. comes from the definition of anarchos, without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You remove uh, the impediments. You remove the uh, impediments to that, and that's inequalities in power and wealth. That's what gives rulers their ability to make decisions which affect the lives of billions of people on the planet. Now, I'd like to start off with... uh, Marbo Day, that's right. Uh, Marbo Day is the 3rd of June. I am uh, broadcasting this on the 3rd of June 2020. This is the last day of Reconciliation Week. It's been a relatively low-key week uh, for a variety of reasons, mainly COVID-19 and a lot of virtual stuff has occurred. Now, uh, Marbo Day, in my opinion, and my late wife's opinion, is an exceptionally important day. And uh, today, if you are in Melbourne, I will be in Federation Square near the uh, corner of uh, Flinders Street and Swanson Street. I'll be there with a Terrestrial Islander flag. I'll be there for about half an hour. No speeches, just a private ceremony to remember Marbo Day and to my late wife who died three years ago on the 2nd of uh, June uh, 2017. He was instrumental in ensuring that Marbo Day was uh, celebrated uh, in this country. Now, a lot of people are tending to uh, downplay the significance of Marbo Day, both in the the Indigenous and non-Indigenous community. But uh, the Marbo High Court decision in 1992 on the 3rd of June 1992, which was 28 years ago, had an extraordinary effect on this country because for the first time, the legal fiction this country was colonised on, the fact that this land was uninhabited at the time of colonisation, struck down by the colonisers themselves, by the law of the colonisers themselves. And although there were uh, some uh, uh, weaknesses in the decision, the native title decision gave many Indigenous Australians and continues to give many First Nations people the ability to manage their own land. So it's had an extremely important impact, and I think it's very important that uh, we celebrate that day. Because it's important that uh, what the Marbo decision highlighted was that this land was stolen, there was no compensation, and uh, the reaction, and I'm old enough to remember 1992, was extraordinary, because for the first time in this country's history, the actual legality of the occupation had been overturned in a a high court of this country. It had considerable uh, ramifications, and government after government has poured bucket loads of extinguishment on the original high court 
decision. So today is an important day. I celebrate it and I encourage you to spare a thought for all those First Native, uh, First Nations people in this country who over the years have fought for a treaty, who have fought for truth-telling, who have fought for a, uh, a voice to Parliament, who have fought for land rights, uh, who have fought for uh, compensation. Spare a thought. Many are dead, many are still alive. Uh, it is a continuing struggle. It's continued for over 230 years, and it will continue until until uh, peace is signed, reconciliation occurs, and it will only occur, in my opinion, in the next generation, the generation after that, because this generation has miserably failed to grapple with this issue, and nothing higher this more than... Uh, when the Uluru Statement of the Heart, which is a relatively conservative statement, came out uh, three years ago when um, delegates from across First Nations, people across this country came together and came up with three compromised decisions, truth-telling, uh, a voice to Parliament and negotiations beginning for uh, a treaty or treaties. Uh, it was knocked down within 24 hours by the uh, current government and there's been lukewarm reception uh, not just in official circles and political circles, but also in uh, in amongst the general community. And I, I just want to read part of an email which I received, which I don't usually do, but I think it highlights uh, how far we are from the process of uh, reconciliation. This email was from Lisa, a regular listener to the Anarchist School this week, and, uh, you know... Uh, goes to the Facebook page and YouTube channel, and she said, she, she said this, she said this to me. I want to share your little story that happened on Friday with me and my three kids over the dinner table. Husband was working late as usual. My eldest daughter in grade two said that during class earlier that day, the teacher asked the class of 20 kids, 20 plus kids, if anyone knew what reconciliation week meant. Our conversation went something like this. Mum, no one knew the answer. No one in the class put their hand up except me. And when the teacher asked me what it meant, I said, it's a time that we all remember the Indigenous Australian children that were taken away from their families when they were little, from their mums and dads and home, and that some only returned when they were much older and some didn't return at all. Well... I can tell you right now, the wind was knocked out of me. I had tears in my eyes because my little girl, I had the honour of calling mine, just knocked the wind out of me. She is seven years old and in grade two. I had those tears in my eyes and told her how much I love her. And I've never been more proud of being her mother than right now. She told me that I was weird and made sure that I was also proud of her younger sibling. Cool. Now, there's much more to the email, but I just thought I'd give you a indication of how much little regard is taken to Reconciliation Week, which is booked in by, on the 27th of uh, May, which is the, uh, the anniversary of the referendum, which gave the Commonwealth power to legislate for Indigenous Australians. And... It's also uh, a day, and it's uh, ended on the 3rd of June, the Marbo Day. Obviously, the day before the 27th of May is National Sorry Day. So uh, if you've remembered Reconciliation Week and you've marked it, good. If you haven't, I encourage you to contact your local organisations, uh, Indigenous organisations, First Nations people, organised First Nations people in this country's organisations where you live, and possibly... Um, Ask what you can do to assist, because until the truth-telling begins, until we acknowledge what's happening, uh, nothing is going to change. And uh, it's tragic that a seven-year-old girl has to remind us. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Now, obviously, uh, there's a lot of uh, interest in what's going on in the USA. 
uh, the United States of America, or the disunited States of America, and the bubbling, bumbling, incompetent, buffoon-like response from uh, their president, who they elected. He actually wasn't imposed on them. The American people elected. And I'd like to look at this in a different way. A lot of people are talking about this as protest. These are not protests. This is an uprising. That's right. Uprising. U-P-R-I-S-I-N-G. This is an uprising across the country, north to south, east to west. 23 states are already under our curfew. National Guard's been called in over, uh, over half of the states of the United States of America. And uh, protests continue day in, day out, irrespective, irrespective of the bumbling response of their president who wants to unleash the US, United States military forces on the citizens of the United States. I mean, nothing highlights his stupidity more than the fact when peaceful demonstrators at Lafayette Park were dispersed before the 7pm curfew uh, 24 hours ago by tear gas and uh, rubber bullets and uh, spray, pepper spray, and the list goes on and on, flash bombs, so that he could walk across to this church which had been slightly damaged in the riots the night before and hold a Bible and tell us what a great man he was. This is the man who cowered in the bunker in the White House few days earlier. So America is a divided nation, but we need to understand there are parallels. There are parallels between Australia and America. And these parallels are not just based on racism, a deep-held racism where, which is based on basically the occupation of stolen lands, whether it's the Native Americans, United States of America, or our own First Nations people, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders in Australia. This has been a violent country with a violent history internally. And on a number of occasions, the US military has been used to suppress insurrections. What we are seeing in the United States of America is not a revolution. It's an uprising. It's an uprising of people who've had enough. People who've been buffeted around by coronavirus, mainly the poor, people of colour. It's an uprising by people who are sick and tired of working for slave wages with no protections of any type. It's an uprising by people who are sick and tired of the divisive rhetoric uh, in the country. It's an uprising that has social problems at its heart. And those social problems are based on a number of facts. Not belief, but facts. 40% of the American population own 0.3% percent of the resources. It's the poorest 40% and 0.3%. Secondly, they have a social security system that has so many holes in it that most people fall through it. They seem to have a visceral hatred to the concept of universal health care for their citizens. And nothing highlights this than the poor patchwork response to the corona COVID-19 crisis, which continues to devastate the nation. And then we have this history of ongoing racism, where a civil war was required to end slavery, but not end oppression. And lastly... They have a democratic system, which is democratic in name only. A system which can be manipulated to ensure that people are kept off the electoral roll. They are marginalised. They are pushed aside. They are ignored. This is the situation we have in America. 
And no wonder people aren't waiting for the presidential election in November. No wonder people are up in arms. No wonder Trump and his Republican cohorts and his Democratic, you know, uh, so-called opposition, both who have pursued a neoliberal agenda for decades, have been marginalised. Now, it's all very well for Mr Trump to say he's going to send the military in and use the 1807 Insurrection Act, which was used in 1992, when Rodney King was murdered by police in Los Angeles in 1992 to restore order. But there is no amount of physical force that will be able to restore order. It may restore order. If you kill a few hundred people and jail 10 or 20,000, maybe you can temporarily restore order through the use of military force, local police, National Guard, military police, the armed forces. But let's not forget that America is an armed state, that civilians have access to arms legally, that it is part of the First Amendment of their constitution, that any military force that wants to use arms to control a social problem, to put out this fire will only add fuel to the fire. People have no faith in the system. Very few people vote. Usually less about one third of people vote. The system is contrived in such a way as to ensure that uh, people who would vote for the Democrats can't vote because it's the states that actually run the electoral roll. And for generations, they have uh, manipulated the system. So I can see you patting yourself on the back and saying, well, isn't that terrible? Isn't it terrible what's happened in the United States of America? Well, let's not forget that in 1964, when Lyndon Johnson came to Melbourne, there were protests. And the Harold Holt slogan, is, as we slid into the Vietnam morass, was all the way with LBJ, Lyndon Bain Johnson. And the closest ally of the United States of America on the planet is Australia, especially the Morrison-led government. So let's look at the parallel between the uprising United States of America and what's happening here in this country. Let's look at the parallel. Now, Mr Morrison and Mr Dutton and the rest of his cabinet crew should be on their hands and knees thanking people like you and me who over the last five to six decades have sweated blood, sweat and tears, who've worked tirelessly to ensure their neoliberal agenda has not been fully implemented in this country. Because if you look at the situation in this country, you will find stunning parallels running through our history. Let's look at our treatment of First Nations people in this country. People thought that colonisation ended with the Federation. Colonisation continues to be a significant issue in this country. Let's look at the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander population make up about 3% of the national population, that's 3%. And the adults in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander make about 2% of the national population. One in three people in our prisons across this country are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. And many are there because of crimes or misdemeanours, not crimes, misdemeanours, which are directly related to poverty, which are directly related to marginalisation. If you're an Indigenous man, you have 15 times more chance of being incarcerated than somebody who's not a First Nations person. If you're an Indigenous woman, you have 21 times more chance of being incarcerated, not because the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander is a lawless community, but because of the way the justice system is used to criminalise petty behaviour, where we have the ridiculous situation of people 
dying in jail because they didn't pay their fine. Since 1991, since the Royal Commission into deaths in custody, over 400 Indigenous Australians have died in custody. 400 in 1991. That's an average of about three to four every two months. Now, these are extraordinary figures, but the Indigenous population here, the difference is they don't make up 20% of the population. They make up 2 to 3% of the population. So the rage and the anger that you see across America, not just among Afro-Americans, but among Hispanics and, you know, and uh, Anglo-Saxons and Europeans and migrants, and this goes on and on, is not replicated in this country. And to a significant degree, it has not been replicated because of the patience of Indigenous Australians, them working as hard as possible in order to reconcile the very people who have put them in that situation. Let's look at the next parallel. As I said, Mr Morrison and Mr Dutton, the rest of the Motley National Party and Liberal Party crew should be on their hands and knees, and I include the ALP, the Alternative Liberal Party, you know, grovelling, grovelling at our feet. Because what we have done in this country over the last 50 to 60 years is we have stopped the neoliberal juggernaut. We have brought it to a standstill, although we've been marginalised, we have been criticised, we have been laughed at, we have been pushed aside. The fact is, we have a universal healthcare system in this country, not because of the Liberal National Party, the ALP, although the Whitlam Labor government produced it in 1973 74, because we have resisted attempts by successive conservative governments and to some degree ALP governments to destroy the universal nature, to destroy the universal nature of healthcare in this country, to destroy the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. I mean, the COVID-19 response in this country worked very well, and it worked very well for a number of reasons. It worked very well because we have a strong health system where the health system is controlled by the state, we have an exceptionally strong health system. So it worked very well. It put us in a position to actually be able to use public health officials in order to examine, contain and make recommendations on how to minimise the effect of COVID-19. And those people who got sick, who needed hospitalisation, had access to ventilators, although in the early stages, because of this country's globalisation, corporatisation policies, there wasn't enough personal protection equipment, the problem was solved quickly. And the difference between the United States and America, as far as the, uh, as far as the response to the COVID-19 crisis, is the fact that we have been able to maintain a universal health system where any Australian irrespective of whether they're a citizen or a permanent resident, can have access to free medical care and receive the best care possible under an overstretched, underfunded, overutilised public health system. And if we had allowed the neoliberal, you know, uh, warriors to overrun the National Health Service, the National Health System, I can assure you the COVID-19 response would be much worse and the death rate would be much, much, much higher. Now, let's look at the economy. We have been less successful at actually defending uh, the economy in terms of corporatisation and globalisation and privatisation and deregulation. We've actually failed on many fronts. It's quite sobering to think, it's quite sobering to think that as I speak, that we are seeing the holes in the neoliberal dream. And at the same time, we are seeing them and their mates in the corporate owned media and the government guild at ABC 
continue to push for more corporatisation and globalisation and deregulation and privatisation. I mean, the economic mess we find ourselves in, as far as the COVID-19 crisis is concerned, is directly related to the fact that wage earners basically are nothing more than wage slaves in this country. I mean, we make a big fuss about the fact that Chinese don't have the right to strike. Well, we don't have the right to strike, except during a convoluted process uh, during a uh, enterprise bargaining agreement period. You can be jailed up to 25 years for being involved in an occupation in this country. Members of the construction union, the CFMMEU, have less rights than a drug importer who imports a billion dollars worth of drugs where they're forced to answer questions in kangaroo star chambers. And if they don't answer questions, they can be personally fined $10,000 a day and jailed. And we're told that we have the freedom of association in this country. As far as being a member of a trade union, we don't have. And what we've seen is a bevy of legislation over the last 40 years, which is basically... Um, basically uh, made trade unions irrelevant in this country. And then we've seen economic policies which have been designed to keep wages down, not just in terms of exporting jobs overseas, and we've seen the ramifications of that for the COVID-19 crisis, but problems, the problems that are related to the fact that uh, we... Uh, problems that are related to the fact that we have allowed them to get away with murder as far as removing regulations which protect workers in specific industries, which remove overtime payments, which have in, which uh, introduced individual contracts, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, wonder there is no wage growth when you've got a government policy of allowing temporary workers to flood the country in order to keep wages down. We've seen if 1.7 million temporary workers from a workforce of around 13 to 14, about 14 million workers, about one in seven workers in this country is a temporary worker. Most are not unionised. Many it's cash payments. Many have no protections whatsoever. And every day we see stories of exploitations, not just by small individual companies, but by large corporations of temporary workers and also you know, Australian workers and permanent residents. So we have failed to stop the neoliberal juggernaut as far as economic change is concerned. And I won't use the word reform because the word reform actually means to make things better. And they have not made things better. Then once again, Mr Morrison and Mr Dutton, the rest of his motley crew and their friends across the road in the Alternative, Labor, Alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Labor Party, which were the engine drivers of the neoliberal agenda, they should be on their hands and knees, hands and knees, thanking us because we have been able to maintain a relatively reasonable safety net, social security safety net for Australians. Although government after government, especially the... Uh, Liberal National Party since uh, 1996 has done everything it can to actually marginalise, humiliate people on Social Security benefits and introduce so much red tape, so much legislation to make the lives of people on Social Security benefits. And that's almost one-third of Australians, one-thirty percent of Australians rely on Social Security benefits a nightmare. But we have been able to halt that in many regards. Not all regards. We had lost the battle with unemployment benefits, work for the work for the dole in inverted commas, and the list goes on and on. But once again, if it wasn't like for people like you and me, things would be radically different in this country. And the tinder box that the United States of America is today, the same. Tinder would be ready to ignite in this country. I'm not saying that an uprising is not possible, but the conditions are not 
exactly the same as they are in the United States of America to a significant degree. It's because we have been able to push back that neoliberal agenda on a number of occasions. So think about it. There are many parallels between us and the United States of America. And if they had been able to impose their neoliberal agenda as they wanted, we would find ourselves in exactly the same position as they are today. We would find ourselves in exactly that same position. So we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back and say things are very different. We're seeing an increasing marginalisation of people in this country. We're seeing an increasing marginalisation of people as far as the political process is concerned. We see more and more people disillusioned with the political process of parliamentary elections because they see no difference in the policy between the different uh, factions of the neoliberal parties which dominate political activity in this country. And then we have the racist parties which continue to have a significant influence in this country. As I keep saying on this program, as a registered officer for public interest before corporate interest, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interest. Not because I think parliamentary politics is the be end and all end all of struggle, but because we need to get on their playing field and disrupt that playing field. They don't care if you protest. They do care if the protests affect their livelihood viability. But again, it's unusual to get a mass uprising, although we're seeing one in the United States of America as I speak, because of the situation there, the hopeless situation there for so many people. But they do fear people challenging them on their own turf. So if you want to do something, I encourage you to join public interest before corporate interest. Currently, our website is down. Uh, we have a number of technical issues. It seems to be the way of the world in uh, COVID-19. It should be up in the next few days. But you can ask for an application form in a number of ways. You can actually uh, email info at pibci.net, info at pibci.net, you can leave a message on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489, or you can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, and I'm happy to send you out an application form which you can look at, and if you're happy with it, fill it in, send it in, become a member of public interest before corporate interest. Hopefully, by the end of September, the latest point of the year, be in a position to register a federal political party and possibly change the debate. And that's what this is about. It's about changing the debate because what I've seen over the last few weeks fills me with dread in this country because it's going to be business as usual. And if you think I'm exaggerating, the government is already talking about returning work for the dole. It's already talking about um, halving the COVID-19 job seeker allowance. It's already talking about introducing many of the hurdles that are put in people's ways who are on a job seeker allowance. The list goes on and on and on and on. So if you think things have changed, they haven't. Change comes, as we see in the United States of America, and we see around the world, as we saw in Lebanon, as we saw in Sudan a year ago, as we saw in the Arab Spring in 2013, uh, change comes through mass action, forcing those in power to change their political direction. And I congratulate those people in the United States of America who have been so patient for so long who have finally had enough. And when I see commentators and politicians call about good demonstrators and bad demonstrators, the fact is that without the violence, change would not have occurred in that country or would have not have been discussed 
And irrespective of what Mr. Trump, their, uh, you know, their uh, intellectually challenged president does as he walks across the road to the church to hold up a Bible and, and uses military force to disperse peaceful demonstrators who are, you know, um, peacefully demonstrating because they have a, uh, you know, because he wants a photo opportunity. Well, and uh, questions need to be asked about the nature of the members of Congress and the Senate in the United States of America. What an extraordinary bunch of morons. It is for the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. You can go to the uh, YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, or go to Toscano for the Public. You can go to info at pipsy.net. Hopefully the, uh, uh, it'll be up in the next few days. It's quite interesting about public interest before corporate interest. I was listening to Mark Zuckerberger telling us about the fact that he was concerned about censorship on Twitter because after years of being abused of the President Trump abusing Twitter uh, in terms of abusing the process, they have finally decided to put up a few warnings against his tweet, which really... It's an annoying situation. And yeah, I hear Zuckerberg talking about freedom of speech and how important freedom of speech is. Well, well, Mr. Zuckerberg, why has public interest before corporate interest been banned from Facebook? All right? Because we were, we, it was said that we, a peaceful, legitimate, legal group of people, try to form a legitimate, legal, political party that has a anti-corporate agenda. We do not fit their community standards. That's right. And Mr Zuckerberg, I know we're just a drop in the ocean, the Facebook ocean, but the reality is that if you ban an organisation like Public Interest before corporate interests from being uh, on Facebook... You have problems. You have real problems considering the amount of garbage, misinformation that we see on the uh, in social media. The lesson of the Atticus World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Let's move on. There's a few more interesting things happening. Some weeks nothing happens. Other weeks everything happens. And this is one of those weeks where everything happens. Now, I'd just like to remind people that uh, Community Radio 3 CR, which I broadcast from uh, for the National Community Radio Network, uh, has had to close down for a number of uh, weeks now into, into a few months because of the COVID-19 crisis. So we're not able to have their radio fund, which raises a significant portion of the money which is needed to keep the radio station running. And the fact is we're not like Channel 31 that's going to be closed down in a few weeks at the end of the month, at the end of June by the government, because they rely on government funding. Community Radio 3CR is a community-owned, community-funded radio station. The only way we can be closed down is if the government uh, decides we are a uh, terrorist organisation, which is always on the cards. You never know these days what governments are willing to do. Because let's not forget, the Federal Attorney-General has the power to ban any organisation he or she feels may, and the key word is may, pose a threat to the Commonwealth, okay? And there's no right of appeal, and members can be jailed for up to 25 years if they continue activity once they've been banned. So if you think that, you know, the Chinese Communist Party is a pretty nasty outfit, which, you know, I think they are, well, think again about the potential powers that can be invoked in this country if by some chance we're able to raise our heads above the parapet without getting it shot off. Now, think about it. Robo-deaths. What a disaster. What a disaster. Government robbery. 400,000 Australians robbed of $701 million by the Commonwealth Government over a four- to five-year period. And who were these people? Whether they, whether they the stakes of the world, 
Were they the Reinhardts of the world, the Packers of the world, the Murdochs of the world? No. They genuflex before them every morning. I think they pray to a picture of Mr Murdoch every morning, especially Mr Morrison. You know, excuse me, sir, please, can I do this, can I do that? One good thing about uh, the uh, uprising in the United States of America regarding the uh, murder of uh, Mr George Floyd, which was the uh, spark that set off the uh, set off the, the fires. One good thing is that Fox News can't go out on the streets because people understand that Fox News for so long has been the mouthpiece of the neoliberal agenda. So that's one good thing, irrespective of what happens. That is one good thing. I said before, at least in the Anarchist world this week, just getting back to RoboDebt, 400,000 Australians threatened, pushed around, many sliding into uh, psychological and psychiatric issues. Some took their own lives. We don't know the number at this stage. But some have taken their own lives because they were pursued by government people, perceived debts which were based on a false algorithm. That's right. Totally false way of calculating a person's income in relation to any social security benefits they receive. 400,000 people spending countless hours and days and months fighting this state-inspired robbery. And finally, after the threat of legal action, which is continuing, the federal government pulls the plug on the whole system because they know it was wrong. They know they were wrong. They know they were guilty of theft, mass theft. They know the social harm it has done in the community, the harm it has done in the community among some of the most marginalised, poorest people in, the, in our community. But our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Morrison, the accidental Prime Minister, refuses to apologise refuses to apologise for the robo-debt fiasco. Point blank refuses to apologise. The minister responsible refuses to apologise. The members of the Liberal National Party refuse to apologise. Sitting at home, enjoying their wages, not even bother attending Parliament because of the COVID-19 crisis, not even a virtual format, you know, uh, getting their money, refusing to apologise. Extraordinary. So if you think that things will change without your active participation, think again. Things will not change without your active participation. If you think political activity, community activity, social activity is limited to casting a ballot every three years and then sitting on the sideline to the next election and conducting a campaign, think again. Real political power. Political power in a democratic society does not lie in the hands of the government of the day. It does not lie in the hands of the bureaucracy. It does not lie in the hands of the armed forces or the local police forces. It does not lie in the hands of the corporate sector. Political power in a democratic society lies in the hands of an engaged public. And that's the key, engaged whether you're engaged in terms of direct action, whether you're engaged in terms of parliamentary politics, whether you're engaged in terms of discussing the issue with your neighbours, whether you're engaged in terms of your social media pressure. The key is an engaged public. And for far too long, we as a people have left politics to the politicians. 
And what happens when you leave politics to the politician? What happens is that all you what happens is that all you get is uh, what happens is that all you get is more of the same, more of the same, more of the same, and that's what happens on a daily basis. Now, look, donation, 3CR, we have the station appeal. I've been broadcasting at 3CR for 42 and a half years. I started at the middle of 1977. Now, I can't say that my broadcasts have changed anything, but at least they have given some people some hope in desperate situations. And although we may not have changed anything, we've been able to maintain a lot of things that we could have lost without struggle. Now, I've been a, a member of FreeCR for a long, long time, paid-up member of FreeCR, because you remember the community radio started as a result of the Whitlam Labor government, the much maligned Whitlam Labor government, giving money to community associations and a licence to broadcast because they were sick and tired of the news being dominated by the Murdoch Empire, the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC. They are the community to have a voice. And Community Radio 3CR, which allows me to broadcast on the Community Radio Network on a weekly basis to people around this country in every state, is fundamental. Community radio stations are fundamental to the idea of free expression. I know everybody thinks that to a significant degree, radio no longer is significant. Radio continues to be significant despite the number of podcasts that are available out there, despite social media. So if you want to donate to Community Radio 3CR, I'd like to remind you that every donation over $2 is a legal, legitimate tax deduction. If the rich and famous can donate to their favourite charity or set up their own charity to uh, look after the deserving poor, not the undeserving poor, well, then why don't you donate to Community Radio 3CR and get a legal, legitimate tax deduction, especially if you're going to have to pay tax at the end of the year? You can do this in a number of ways. You can ring the station on 039-419-8377, 039-419-8377. You can uh, donate online if you so feel inclined, 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. Well, if you like me and you don't like the online presence, you can always send a cheque. That's right, a cheque or a money order to 3CR at Post Office Box 1277. That's Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Now, I'll be making a donation, as I usually do every year, although it costs me money to broadcast the community radio 3CR. I'd also like to thank Johnny Latte, who found me last week, and he's pledged a thousand dollars. His local poker game has restarted, and he's going to—he uh, claims he's going to win a thousand dollars over the next over the month of June. He put two hundred bucks in his pocket last week, so let's see how he goes. I did tell him I know where he lives, and if he doesn't bring the thousand dollars, he's in big trouble. Now, this program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to threecr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pipsy.net. A few web pages you can look at is the Defending Extend Public Housing. Could you imagine that? A once in a lifetime opportunity squandered by the federal government. We could have public housing finance to overcome the construction down to the no. They're going to give money to private owners to renovate their properties. Isn't that wonderful? They're not even going to give money to social housing, let alone any money to public housing. But that's the nature of the beast we have. And as I said, the leopard doesn't change its spots. You want it to change its spots, you need to skin it. That's right. You need to skin it. That's the only way it's going to change its spots. So this program is also podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. That's 0439 395 489. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. 
This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Uh, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. I uh, give my full support to the uprising United States of America. Hopefully we'll take a leaf out of their book in this country and uh, we will begin to act. Because without action, nothing ever changes. If you want change, you need to make noise. If you don't make noise, nothing happens. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you wait for change to occur, nothing will happen. If people had waited for slavery to be abolished, nothing would have happened. If people waited for elections, democratic, uh, parliamentary democracy, nothing would would have happened. If people waited for social security benefits, nothing would have happened. It came through action. Came through action, which was eventually translated into parliamentary legislation. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. The program has been podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. And don't forget the 3CR uh, appeal for the month of June so we can continue to broadcast for another 50 years. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week. Listen in next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger! been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.